0: This is Connected to Chicago with Bill Cameron. What's going on in Chicago? What the hell is going on? Covering the big ideas. If
1: you do not feel well, for God's sake, stay home. Save a lot.
0: The tough choices. mole? No, I like Gacamole. And the only three ways a Chicago alderman leaves the city council. The ballot box, the jury box, or the pine box. Now, Bill Cameron.
2: Why is it that so many politicians just keep stealing, especially when they know the FBI is probably listening with a wiretap or a mole? I've been watching this corruption happen over and over again in the years I've been on the beat, and it never stops. Dick Simpson, the UIC political science professor who used to be an independent alderman, he's kept count of the convictions over the years. Hundreds of aldermen and judges, congressmen and state legislators... Even four out of the last 10 Illinois governors. He says Chicago is the most corrupt big city in the nation, and Illinois is the third most corrupt state. In all categories, he's counted 1,750 public corruption convictions from 1976 through 2018 in Chicago. 1,750. Simpson thinks he knows why the politicians keep stealing.
3: They don't ever think they're going to be caught. Uh, in fact, there's probably a, a formula of ratio for every one that's actually been investigated, caught, sent to prison. There are probably 10 others who were part of the scheme or involved in the scheme who weren't.
2: Backing up this theory is the former special agent in charge of the FBI here in Chicago, Rob Grant.
3: Either it's so lucrative they're willing to risk it, or there are so many engaged in it, the odds of being caught are, are so small that they continue to engage in it.
2: Rob Grant, you may remember, is the FBI chief who woke up Rod Blagojevich right out of bed with a phone call and arrested him at home. Dick Durbin, our senior senator, thinks the money in politics is just too tempting for some. I I can kind of, after a lifetime in this business, pinpoint some things, some real uh, weaknesses and flaws, but they're personal in nature. Mm -hmm. One of them is this. uh, Members uh, in the political uh, class uh, spend a lot of time with wealthy people. And uh, they get money from them. And some of them ask for favors, some don't. But when you start bumming around with the wealthiest people in your state or district and watching their lifestyle and thinking to yourself, you know, I do things just as important as this guy, and look how he lives, sadly, some of my colleagues end up saying, well, maybe I ought to live like that, too. Mm-hmm. And the only way to live like that is to break the law. And I tell people aspiring to politics, if you want to get rich, stay away from this business. Mayor Lori Lightfoot was a federal prosecutor. She sent Alderman Virgil Jones to prison years ago. Her take is blunt.
1: I would say it boils down to arrogance and stupidity. You think, Bill, you'll remember the whole Secretary of State scandal back in the day when Secretary of State's workers were soliciting bribes to give CDLs. I remember I was in the office at the time, um, and there was a circumstances where literally the FBI was in in the front part of a a building and out in the parking lot where the tests were being uh, rendered. You had workers literally in the same facility that the FBI was in, continuing to solicit bribes. Now, if that's not the height of arrogance and stupidity, I don't know what.
2: One alderman, Lem Austin, once acknowledged his colleague's corruption right out in the open in a public meeting from his seat as chairman of the City Council Budget Committee.
4: I could do like many of them, go around the back door and see what I can get to mislead my constituents. At the same time, I'm filling my pockets. Uh But what about them 60,000 folks? that sent you here that you're supposed to be representing. So I just want to serve notice. Don't mess with Austin. Don't mess with it. Okay? I want to serve notice here this morning. Because, remember, I've got information that could embarrass you all.
2: Some of the aldermen have thought the feds actually criminalized politics with their prosecutions. Patrick Fitzgerald, the corruption busting U.S. attorney nicknamed Elliot Ness with a Harvard degree, said not so.
4: There's, there's politics and there's crime. And sometimes I think when people get in trouble, they try and blur those lines. Uh, I think when you start having quid pro quos, when there's a deal, uh, if you give me this, and I will give you that.
2: But the first Mayor Daly, Richard J. Daly, used to brush off City Hall corruption.
3: You don't prevent it in your business, in the radio. There's a lot of fraud goes out of that. <laughs> it, it,
2: it, everyone is human.
3: What the fellow said is about so much is honest and so much is dishonest. The ballots would get by with it if they could thought they could. So you will prevent all of this. You, you, you do the best you can.
2: My colleagues here on the Connected to Chicago Roundtable have theories. Here are Lynn Sweet of the Sun-Times, Ray Long of the Tribune, Greg Hines of Cranes, Fran Spielman of the Sun-Times, and Heather Sharon of WTTW.
1: Here's what I think it is for some it is that they get envy of people who are rich and they deal with wealthy people and they see life with their donors and they just, they're weak and they're greedy. And then there are some people who are weak, greedy, and stupid. So they do uh, schemes that are bound to get them caught. And then there is this this transformation where people forget that the political funds are supposed to be in politics and not to be spent on themselves it 's not a revolving mo and somehow, in there, the road that got them to public office wasn 't necessarily a road that means everyone who has it has high ethical standards but the The thing that is amazes me for all the years i 've been around. Is that if you took any other group of 100 people or 300 people or just your own circle of friends and relatives, most likely none of them have gone to prison or have been indicted or have been in serious legal trouble. Yet this relatively small group of people, all of us, this gang on your radio show, and we've been together a long time now, it seems a very small sampling of people with a very high uh, lack of moral grounding.
2: Greg, what do you think? Why do they just keep stealing?
5: For the same reason that uh, Bond and Clyde uh, used to rob banks, uh, because that's where the money is. know, um, I thought about this an awful lot through uh, the years, Bill. Uh, I mean, all of us can, can go back decades. And uh, it's essentially because the unofficial code of Illinois politics is that you don't go into politics and government. To serve the public, although some people like Barack Obama or adley seems to did, you go on to win it because it 's a business and like any other business, the idea is to make money for number one that 's the core problem uh, there 's too many people who run uh, not because they want to serve people but because they want to build up their insurance business or uh, have uh, or build up their career and uh, and, and squeeze uh, city contractors in the process or something like that uh, uh, until We get politicians who are political candidates who are of that mind and voters who will put that at the top of their list rather than voting on some other basis. You're going to continue to get crooks. It's just the way it is. It's 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 in it's in the water. It's in the system and
2: it's almost impossible to get rid of it. How about you, Fran? Why do they just keep stealing?
6: I think it's because you have to be egomaniacal to want to go into politics to subject yourself to the kind of scrutiny and the media pressure and all the things that you have to do and raise money and all these things to be a politician. You have to be out of your damn mind. And the only people who are willing to put themselves through that are people who have, unfortunately, those kinds of egos. And when you have those kinds of egos, you have stealing, you have philandering, you have all kinds of scandal uh, that I, I know that's a bleak view and a cynical view, but, uh, you know, when people say to me, can you name a single politician who you have covered in your many, many years who you absolutely are sure, A, doesn't cheat on your wife or husband, and B, is honest, I, I'm I'm very hard-pressed to find any or to name any. So that's a very sad commentary. I hate to say it, but it's true. Heather,
2: in an answer to Fran's question, the only one I can think of who I always thought was honest was Paul Simon. But how about you? Why do you think they just keep stealing?
7: You know, I, I think Greg is onto something when he says that there's a particular culture in Illinois. You know, if I wasn't being a, I'd, a little bit facetious, I'd, be, I'd say there must be something in the water in Illinois. But there, you know, there ha- there has to be, and I think it's a culture where you get yours and you want to know, and you don't begrudge anybody else getting theirs. You know where's mine and the only cure for that is uh sunshine and and the news media doing its job and and i know we all will continue to do that in 2021
2: here here how about you ray why do they just keep stealing
8: well it's greed the bottom line is greed they they are, are surrounded by people who make more money than they do the lobbyists come in they're making 10 times as much as as a legislator does they uh Legislators all start thinking, well, you know, I got to get a piece of this action. I'm making X and I want to make more. And pretty soon they uh, start slipping over the line a little bit. And then pretty soon it becomes a lot. And I do think that uh, the laws in Illinois uh, should be tougher. You uh, could drive a truck through the polls and things like official misconduct and things like that and you'd also don't uh, get to see how much lobbyists make and you don't get an idea fully of how much or an appreciation for fully how much money is being thrown around all the time you get into that atmosphere it's intoxicating and sooner or later you cross the line
2: lynn did you want to make another point on this
1: we talk about the rules And no matter what rules are imposed through the years, uh, there are, you know, these lawmakers find workarounds. I remember the first time I heard the phrase pinstripe patronage, and I thought, well, that's a great idea. You know, you could find a benefactor who will put your relatives and your family on the payroll of a private business. Who would have thought?
2: Retired Springfield Journal Register reporters Doug Finke and Bernie Schoenberg have watched decades of corruption in Springfield.
8: We have a long history of people who uh, have been caught up with legal difficulties uh, for a variety of reasons, and uh, uh, it doesn't seem to stop uh, people from continuing down that path that they are inclined to do that. And uh, I can't uh, can't really explain that, because uh, to me it would seem... uh, Uh, ample evidence that uh, maybe that's something to avoid going forward Uh, uh, but uh, it it continues nonetheless and i don't know how to put an end to it you just there are certain people that are, are going to conduct themselves that way i guess
2: what do you think bernie is it a case of some politician thinking it can't happen to me
0: It's clearly that, you know, I've always noticed from the time I came to Springfield, and I was quite naive when I was just coming out of college, and within a year I was covering some legislative session, the fawning that happens from people, from lobbyists, and from constituents to legislators. And, of course, legislators are now viewed in a bad light by some. But still, when you're at the state house, you get that position. People are just falling all over themselves to tell you how great you are. It probably gives you a little feeling of Teflon that you can do, various things. I will say when I came to this newspaper in 1990, one of the first big stories I did, I traveled down to Vienna, Illinois, in southern Illinois uh, to the home and burial place to the cemetery of Paul Powell, who was Secretary of State uh, 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 years, years and years ago. And when he died as Secretary of State, they found, what was it, $80,000? You know, some in a shoebox in in the St. Nicholas Hotel in Springfield. So a good southern Illinois person who somehow collected a bunch of money I do think it has something to do with the feeling of power and people maybe not ready for it. It takes a great amount of grit to take all that praise and realize that you're still vulnerable and you have to follow the law.
2: Madeline Dubeck used to cover politics for the Daily Herald and now leads Change Illinois. She's made a career out of watchdogging political corruption.
9: You know, first of all, I want to say that I do um, believe that there are uh, a majority of lawmakers down there who are down there for the right reason and they seek office for the right reason. And they do want to go down there and make a positive difference for the better for the people in their districts in the state of Illinois. Um, But we do see time and time again... People uh, getting caught with their hand in the cookie jar and um, being charged with corruption. And, uh, you know, you and I have seen over many years that something happens when you get down there and you get immersed over time. Uh, I think that you... um, You know, you start to find the ways to cut the corners and to cheat, and it seems pretty easy, and uh, you might get away with it for a while.
2: What is that factor, you think, that prevents them from doing that?
9: I suppose it's greed (laughs) when it gets right down to it. Another watchdog out there is Better Government
2: Association Chief David Greising. It's really uh, hard to
10: believe that it keeps happening and happening and happening. I think a lot of it has to do with a lack of consequence, a lack of political consequences. Certainly there are legal consequences. But as we've seen in just the numbers that we have listed, um, people are sent to office despite allegations, suspicions, even charges against them again and again, and um we're seeing though it the the lack of interest in true reform in the legislature this spring you know as after the the remarkable the the fall of michael Madigan, uh that which kind of came finally came about uh in January this year after um you know the the federal corruption probe that is really centered on his uh, apparently illegal activity, although he has not been charged and says he did nothing wrong. Uh, the the state legislature uh, set up a, a special commission to uh, pass a what was expected to be a wide-ranging ethics reform. Uh, that commission basically shut down as soon as COVID hit, and basically was was never to be heard from since. Uh, some of that work is resumed now in the legislature, but the best we're seeing so far is a six-month ban on uh, former elected officials becoming lobbyists. That is just about nothing. It takes six months probably to sign a lobbying client. And um, uh, states that that are serious about uh, ethics in their government, they have more like a two-year uh, ban or revolving door ban, it's called. That's the proposal that the Better Government Association has proposed. Uh, Some are satisfied with a one-year ban from moving into lobbying. And that sort of revolving door uh, and the ability of lawmakers to lobby uh, other elected officials, uh, which happens is very, very common in Illinois. Those are the sort of things that create a culture of corruption. And that's what we have. And cultures don't change overnight. Cultures take years and years to change. It's good to see that mike madigan uh after years of of issues that people thought smelled bad it's good to see that he had paid a political consequence and it's good to see that ed burke is being held accountable uh in a court of law or in the process at least that even though he too uh does not admit any wrongdoing um it's good to see that the that people are now being held accountable but This has taken a long, long time, and we have a lot of work to do before Illinois has anything close to being an accountable and representative government.
2: Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy sits on the Government Oversight Committee in Washington. He used to view state of Illinois corruption firsthand.
11: I helped to found the Public Integrity Unit. That was the anti-corruption unit for the Illinois Attorney General's office. And this was during the Blagojevich years when it it feels like... um, Corruption in state contracts was so normalized that even certain white shoe firms uh, thought it was okay to participate. And I think that is the biggest problem we have in Illinois, which is that in some quarters, people think it's just okay to um, basically uh, profit at the public's expense, use your public office or position in government uh, to take from the till, so to speak. And I think um, long-term, you know, we have to do a few things. One, we have to have real campaign finance reform where, uh, you know, we can get some of the money out of politics. Two, we have to have greater transparency measures so we know exactly how our, our money is being spent um, and, and, and bringing transparency so that uh, people can't um, uh, easily uh, you know, dole out contracts and spend money without someone looking over their shoulders, namely the taxpayers. Um, and then finally, you know, we, we, we as um, uh, elected officials have to practice something called integrity, which we might learn in Sunday school or other faith traditions or uh, in, in, in other ways, which means, you know, you have to do the right thing when people aren't looking. And we have to teach that to um others and we have to enforce it amongst ourselves and um that's just something that's basic that unfortunately sometimes is lacking.
2: Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs>
11: well, I think uh unfortunately, you know, we should be practicing one form of the golden rule in Illinois, unfortunately, uh the other form other golden rule uh, uh kind of Uh, dominates which is he who has the gold rules and um, you know i think that in illinois sometimes the powerful and the well-connected get to determine the rules and guess what they favor them and and those rules are somehow corruptly administered and it just perpetuates a system where uh, they stay in power and that's got to change
2: Jim Noland is an old hand at Illinois politics. He served Governors Jim Edgar and Jim Thompson. Nolan calls the problem a culture of corruption.
3: Many of us in Illinois have adopted the attitude that if we can take advantage of government, uh, we we might as well do so because others in our position would do so if they had the chance. And so, for example, uh, over years past, if... If somebody had a DUI and thought that uh, uh, there was a way to uh, to get it fixed, uh, hard, the approach of many people is to get it fixed. Well, that's corruption, just as as bribery is corruption. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm afraid that Il- Illinoisans have accept have a, accepted uh, many people, not all of us, have a, accepted a. Um, an attitude toward government uh, that, since it's corrupt already, we might as well take advantage of our opportunities if we see them, which just continues uh, the problem. Now, I would say very quickly that things are better now than they were. Uh, I could give you lots of illustrations of of corruption over the past that have been much more significant than those today. Or very quickly in a 19. In 1909, uh, William Lorimer was elected to the United States Senate uh, on the basis of 40, happened to be Democrats, 40 Democrats break, breaking ranks and uh, voting for Lorimer, a Republican, uh, when the legislature elected the United States Senators each of the 40 legislators received at least $2500 from a pot put together by wealthy easterners and at that time a model t ford cost $750 so <laughs> there was there there was there was major corruption in illinois uh, and throughout our history and it's better today i think there's less even though uh it's very embarrassing for the state that Commonwealth Edison would admit in court that for 10 years it has been systematically and consciously bribing uh, confidants of of Mike Madigan, uh, as if you have to pay to play.
2: My own take is that so many greedy politicians see other greedy politicians getting away with it, they think they can get away with it too. Let's hope prosecutors and the press will continue to have the resources they need to keep fighting this stubborn problem. Up next, this week's roundtable.
0: This is Connected to Chicago with Bill Cameron. A look at the top stories of the week with the people making, covering, and talking about the news of the day. Podcasts are available online at WLSAM.com. Now, Bill Cameron.
2: Time for the roundtable where we just get to tell the truth with Lynn Sweet of the Sun Times. Hey, Lynn. Hi, everyone. Ray Long of the Tribune. Hey, Ray. Hello there, Bill. Greg Hines of Cranes. Hey, Greg. Sir. And Heather Sharon of WTTW. Hey, Heather. Hi, Bill. Well, I thought we'd begin, gang, by talking about Teflon Mike Madigan. He seems to be invulnerable to any federal charges so far. First we had Michael McClain, and now Timothy Mapes refusing to flip on him if there is any dirt to tell the feds about him. Um, Ray, you've been right on top of this story literally for years, if not decades. Why is Mike Madigan enjoying so much Teflon?
8: Well, for one thing, he has... uh, power, and he had power, much more power, obviously, than he does now. But while he was Speaker of the House, and while he was party chairman, there wasn't too many people out there who wanted to say anything bad about Mike Madigan. And, um, you know, they would always uh, come back and say there's nothing bad to say. But the the feds are obviously uh, circling him and have their own thoughts and are trying to get people to Uh, Talk And uh, we've seen two uh, big indictments here of people who are longtime members of his inner circle. One was Mike McClain. That was in November. Mike McClain, of course, is a longtime powerhouse lobbyist. He was a confidant of uh, Mike Madigan. The two uh, used to go to dinner in Springfield frequently, and they stayed in touch uh, on a frequent basis, too. Uh, McLean is the kind of guy who'd be sitting outside of Madigan's office on a bench uh, right outside the main door, uh, day in and day out. There would be um, minions from past uh, years under Madigan who would come by and, and see. McLean and try to check in on what was happening or what they may be able to do to keep uh, Madigan strong and to help him out in campaigns, etc. The second one came down this week. This was Timothy Mapes, a longtime chief of staff, a guy who was executive director of the uh, Illinois Democratic Party under Madigan's rule, and also uh, a trifecta here. He was the House clerk who uh, ran the day to day operations while being the chief of staff for the for the speaker. And so he was indicted this week for lying to the grand jury back in March. And the grand jury is investigating the ComEd scandal, the bribes for favors scandal that has uh, been uh, dominating headlines here off and on for months. And, of course, the the question here, the one that they've explored and the one that the feds have uh, implicated Madigan on, on is uh, whether or not he has uh, been uh, trading uh putting his people onto payrolls or putting his friends in jobs or giving out internships in the 13th ward where he is a powerhouse committeeman or, uh, putting someone he knows on the, uh, ComEd board of directors. And so, um, he's been implicated, but he hasn't been charged. And he's emphatically said that, uh, if he'd known they were giving out these favors, uh, in in an effort to try to sway him to back ComEd legislation, he would have put an end to it. He's also denied any wrongdoing. So there we have it. Mapes is now charged with lying to a grand jury and uh, he was in court on Friday and he uh, was very respectful to the the judge, unlike his uh, behavior in the house where he was always barking orders to staffers or legislators. And he's uh, said now that he's not guilty, Your Honor, to uh, charges of obstruction of justice and lying uh, to the grand jury.
2: And we should emphasize here that uh, the former Speaker, Mike Madigan, has not been charged with any wrongdoing, and indeed there may be none, but Greg, why do you suppose it is that Mike McLean and Timothy Mapes uh, are refusing to cooperate and risking going up the river for Mike Madigan?
5: Well, uh, possibility number one is they have nothing to tell. I mean, that's what they they, they insist. And then they had all kinds of information in the, that the Feds have released, had released in recent weeks and months, suggest that they do have something to tell, and that uh, and that they're just. Being loyal folks and, and taking one for the team, uh, uh, you know, 20 years is a long is a, is a lot to take for the team, particularly for for guys who are up there in, in years. Uh, but you never know. Um, it, it, you know, in in the end, what counts is whether they is whether they get mad again on something or not. Right now, it looks like the feds only have a connect the dots case. They desperately want, uh, they're desperately looking for somebody who says, yes, the speaker told me, as opposed to, well, I assumed or I talked to this guy. But, no, oh, I didn't do it. I did it on my own. I didn't talk to the speaker. Um, uh, and so far, uh, they seem not inclined to do that. Well, like I said, there's a possibility that maybe they, they can't. They don't know anything. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, this is Illinois, and I think a lot of us suspect otherwise.
2: Yeah. How about you, Heather? What's your take on this?
7: Well, I think that it is truly mind-boggling, to me at least, uh, that the prosecutors in this case alleged that not only did Tim Mapes commit perjury – He committed it while testifying in front of a grand jury under a grant of immunity, which meant that had he been testifying truthfully and admitted to a crime, he could not have faced uh, legal jeopardy or any charges. And I know I said on this show before that the first rule of being under investigation in Illinois politics is not to lie to the FBI. Uh, Perhaps I'm going to have to start saying that the first rule should be not to lie to a grand jury under a grant of immunity. It, it, it seems obvious, but um, it raises a lot more questions than we have answers to, although it's clear that this remains a, an active investigation into the former speaker who has to be wondering uh, what uh, U.S. Attorney John Lauch's next move is and if he can sort of get past this brick wall uh, of what he's alleging is is uh, really, obstruction of justice on behalf of those surrounding the Speaker when he was in power.
2: Uh, Lynn, how about you? Could Mike Madigan be innocent?
7: I, I think
1: that's a good question, Bill, and <laughs> one that no matter what I say will just show will end up. No matter how you put me on the path, I'm going to end up. I don't know, Bill. Uh, I know that. Uh Mates was asked questions, the bit we know, uh, on his indictment that suggested, you might think that the feds want to know or have an idea of the answers beforehand, and they were asking questions about even the claim. So uh, when they gave Mapes a grant of immunity, uh, they must have had a better reason than just the, the, what we know to give it to him. Uh, I would like to think that uh, because yes, yeah, three of us, four of us, if we were investigating Madigan, I think one way or another, all of us have done stories about Madigan through the years. If you could get Matt, Tim Mapes to, in a position where he would be forced to answer truthfully to our questions, we would think we would learn something and we would be surprised if we didn't, if we had him sitting in front of us. So, um, Napes taking this hit, even under immunity, uh, doesn't seem good for Mike Madigan. Uh, but I have been amazed at how many, how he has survived so long, going right up to the supposed line and still staying out of trouble. So I, I, I just think we have to let a few more things unfold and see if the feds have a plan B and C and D if uh, if they were depending on MAPES to make the case, well, now this doesn't look good for them. You know, obviously this doesn't look good for MAPES.
5: Bill, there's one right. other guy we should probably talk about here who might be able to make the case and perhaps hasn't shown his bona fides yet. That's Jay Doherty, the lobbyist, the former head of the city club. Mm-hmm. Um, he allegedly was an intermediary where he was uh, – Arranging jobs for uh, for people at, at Commonwealth Edison that uh, that uh, the Mannequin team wanted. Um, uh, uh, there, there were some developments in court this week that suggested that well maybe Jay is going to be a little bit different than these other guys. Uh, but the, but the question is is that Jay was another run out from uh, from McLean and. Uh, uh, he wasn't quite the same the same inner circle uh, as McLean or, or Tim Mapes, uh, so maybe he doesn't know the stuff. But uh, I would keep an eye on him, too, as we go forward.
2: Last week, uh, we got a scolding from Mayor Lightfoot about the lack of diversity in the news media. And I was fascinated, Greg, by your reporting this uh, Friday about the lack of diversity in her own staff. Tell folks about this.
5: Well, you know, the the mayor had a point. She certainly set off quite a bit of screaming and yelling. But I thought it would be interesting, and I'm frankly surprised that somebody hasn't done this yet, but uh, we're all uh, stretched thin these days, to take a look at her own uh, leadership team. So I I put together a list of 48 folks who are – uh, either head, uh, head cabinet level agencies for her uh, head outside governments that she controls like the CTA uh, uh or senior aides uh, uh deputy mayors uh, press secretary stuff like that i and uh, of the 48 uh, 17 are white okay uh 16 are african american uh, uh so far so good uh eight or uh, excuse me six are uh are, are uh, uh are uh, Asian-American in background. There's even a, the first Native American uh, uh, to have hot top city job. But only eight are Latinos, which is, comes out to 17% or about half of what it should be uh, based on the population in Chicago. And interesting, when I asked top Latino officials in, in the city what they thought about that, uh, they were all pretty pretty outspoken. Uh, um, city Clerk Valencia said, Hey, we got more work to, to do here, uh, for instance. Um, uh, Sylvia Puente at the, at the Latino Policy Institute said that uh, Lightfoot's had a lost opportunity and they'd step it up. And Gil Viegas, who until a few months ago was the mayor's city council of Florida, said, There's a problem here. Uh, and but he counts it only eight percent of the people in her cabinet are Latino, and he says, that two years of this administration, I can tell you, I'm not happy. What's the plan to make things better?" Um, that uh, that kind of puts a different spin on things, and it, and it clearly has some uh, some political implications going forward. Because if you're a mariner about to run for re-election in this in, in a city that's roughly one-third white, one-third black, and one-third Latino, you don't want uh, You want Latinos on your side.
2: And, Heather, you were quite good this week uh, looking up the number of lead pipes that have actually been replaced as City Hall touts big plans to replace them all and save the children.
7: And it's a nice round number, zero. Uh, Eight months ago, the mayor announced with great fanfare that the city was going to start slowly removing these lead service lines that can leach a brain-damaging chemical into um, homes' water supplies. But the program has basically not gotten off the ground yet. Only 41 completed applications are still in the pending process. And a larger effort to figure out how to replace these service lines when the city is also replacing the water mains under the streets in front of houses hasn't begun at all yet. And the mayor and EPA administrator, Michael Regan, were out at the Jardine water purification plants on Thursday uh, urging Federal lawmakers to pass the president's infrastructure plan, which would include somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 billion dollars to remove these lead service lines across the country. Um, and I thought it was worth taking a look at what's actually happened in Chicago, which is uh, a whole lot of nothing, unfortunately.
2: Hey, Len, out on Capitol Hill. What do you think the future of the filibuster is, in in view of the fact that the Republicans were able on Friday to use it to block, of all things an independent investigation of the January 6th insurrection.
1: Well, all eyes are on Joe Manchin, including the uh, now of Arizona. Uh, so we had six, we had six senators who were joined with Democrats to have this independent commission, but you needed a total of 10 Republicans and you didn't get it. So, the movement to have end the filibuster, which is basically not needing a supermajority to pass legislation, uh, is one that the Senate uh, can't do. The Democrats in the Senate cannot do without the support of all the Democrats. Up until now, Cinema and especially Joe Manchin in West Virginia have been opposed to it. But maybe this exercise will show. How futile this is if you want to get the Biden agenda passed and the clock is ticking, it is highly likely that Democrats will lose control of the House and the Senate in 2022 elections. If Biden wants to get anything done, this is the time. The danger changing the Senate rules is it's good for the party in power, bad for the party out of power. With needing a supermajority and rule in place, well, that gives the minority party in the Senate an enormous amount of power. Too much, say, people who believe the majority should rule.
2: Hey, we should talk about the DuSable flap over renaming the Outer Drive. On uh, Wednesday in the City Council, a couple of aldermen deferred and published it until uh, the next meeting, which is currently scheduled for June 23rd. Greg, what is your guess on this? Will the mayor be able to persuade enough aldermen to go with her plan, which actually sounds better, of uh, finally get along with the building the DuSable Park out at the lakefront and the river, and renaming the Riverwalk for DuSable, putting up another statue, and doing some educational programs? That's a lot more than just renaming the drive, but what do you think? Are the politics of this going to be too great to prevent, or can renaming the outer drive be stopped? Uh,
5: this is this is a tough one. Um, the mayor has been kind of. Uh, st- strutting her bona fides in the African American community lately, and this particular move seems to run contrary to that. Um, I've not surveyed the council, but this is uh, this is a pretty emotional issue. Uh, 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 when this came up at the, at, at the council the other day, uh, uh, Alderman Moore, the sponsor, uh, 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 really got quite upset when uh, when uh, it did, when the mayor, when two of his colleagues. Uh, Deferred and publish it, and the mayor let them go first rather than let the, letting someone call for an immediate roll call vote. Um, uh, I hope this works out. Uh, I understand what uh, what, uh, what the alderman's trying to accomplish here. Uh, I understand the, the the point of view on the other side that uh, you know just lightly rename things of this importance, but uh, but uh, a lot of people have gotten their egos very much invested in this, and it could it could turn even nastier than it is already.
2: Heather, what do you think? How will this come down? So uh, I think Greg
7: is right in that this is a difficult one to predict, because if you ask Alderman David Moore, who's been really the leading proponent of changing the name of Outer Lakeshore Drive um, to DuSable Drive, he will tell you that he is confident that he has at least 26 votes. If not more. And I think this is the kind of issue that if it does come to a vote, it will be very difficult for aldermen who will be up for reelection in just two short years to vote against because this is seen as sort of a referendum on how the city has honored its black and African American forebearers and history makers. However, I don't know that it's going to get to a vote because the mayor has made it clear that she does not want to be one and is doing everything she can to prevent, you know, prevent it by offering this alternative proposal, which, um, you know, aldermen have up until at least this point have roundly ignored uh, for favor of focusing on the proposal to rename Outer Lakeshore Drive. I reported this, this week that there's a little bit of a complication in uh, Moore's comments that it would only force several harbors on the lake to change their addresses. Uh, the Museum of Science and Industry, the Shed Aquarium, the Adler Planetarium and the Field Museum are also concerned that they will have to change their addresses because uh, CDOT, a Chicago Department of Transportation Analysis, found that they have house certificate numbers on Lakeshore Drive so that they could be caught up in this. And that could cost them a lot of money at a time when they're struggling to recover from being closed for much of the past year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's hard to know how this is going to play out. Um, It is not making relations between the mayor and the city council um, any less tense. I think it's probably the safest thing to say at this point.
2: I actually wouldn't be surprised if the mayor vetoes an ordinance that renames the auto drive for DuSable and tries to uh, press on with her own offering. Well, we got to stop. Thanks to Lynn Sweet of the Sun-Times, Ray Long of the Tribune, Greg Hines of Cranes, and Heather Sharoon of WTTW. Up next is Nick Gale.
0: This is Connected to Chicago. Podcasts are available online at WLSAM.com.
3: This is Nick Gale, Illinois Attorney General Kwame Raoul, raising awareness about the rise in reports of online child sexual exploitation.
4: 2020, as we've dealt with the pandemic, was uh, unprecedented for all of us and extremely busy, but uh, we, we've definitely seen a significant uptick uh, in the, um, cyber tip reports and, and incidents that we've had to respond to. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children serves as a clearinghouse for public and uh, electronic service providers to report online child exploitation. Um, there was seen an increase of reports with regards to Snapchat and Instagram involving uh, young people sharing minor self-produced uh, content. Also an increase in viral content for people sharing online material containing uh, child sexual abuse material and an attempt to raise public uh, awareness, awareness on uh, social media. Cybercrime specialist Christine Feller says they are
3: expecting to see a 16% increase in reports this year and while most involve adults abusing children kids are also posting inappropriate content. There's an increase in
7: sexting, elementary age uh, we saw some youth who were self-exploring getting in front of Google YouTube, right? So again, having those conversations with our children, what do we take pictures of? What do we take videos of? What should be placed on the internet?
0: Illinois
3: State Police Director Brendan Kelly says efforts were beefed up in 2019. The rate
5: at which evidence of crimes against children involving these exploitative images, uh, uh, committing crimes against children, is alarming to all of us. Even seasoned career law enforcement professionals and it reinforces why we must continue to fight this fight. Pushing back against the distribution of these grotesque images of child exploitation requires continued and increased vigilance by all of us. Members of the public uh, that suspect this kind of criminal activity should report it to the Illinois State Police. Last year, the Illinois
3: Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force received some 5,000 cyber tips. Since 2006, the task force has been involved in more than 1,700 arrests of sexual predators. For Connected to Chicago, I'm Nick Gaines.
2: That's our show for this week. Thanks to Matt Mellon for production assistance. I'm Bill Cameron,
0: WDRLS News. Connected to Chicago with Bill Cameron, a production of WLS News. Podcasts are available online at WLSAM.com.